Well, let me ask you a question this morning. Move back a little bit so I can see everybody over here. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? For me, it was the death of my sister Kathy. Kathy and I were super close up to, to marriage to when my wife, she was, we were just super, super close. We were gathered together to celebrate my father's 80th birthday and got word that she had died from a gunshot. It was probably suicide, although some of my family feel very strongly that it was murder. But I remember the shock of going from a mood of celebration to a mood of mourning. And I remember for about four months, I struggled so much with what happened to my sister. I was confused. I felt guilt. What could I do? What could I have done? And I hurt so much. And when I go to bed at night, I would lie awake and my chest literally hurt from the pain that I felt with my sister. Very confused. But what is it for you? What, what is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And how did you feel? If you remember, how did you feel? And did you know what to do with the pain? Do you know what to do with it? You know, eventually, I went to see Dr. Anderson, our counselor, because I need to work through those issues, the pain and the hurt, and to try to, to understand better. With your worst event in your life, did you put it into a category? You do that? Life can be difficult, can it? <laughs> we, we plan on going to the dentist and... Boom, a car runs over us. Suffering is devastating. It can be confusing because we wonder where God is in the midst of the devastation that's going on around us. And we need to be prepared in advance unless we have a good understanding of, of suffering when we are hit by it. It would be easy for us to buckle under it, not knowing what to do with it. Since life isn't always happy, since life doesn't always go smoothly along, we need to remember God's faithfulness in our lives. Again, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? The worst thing that happened to the prophet Jeremiah, who most people think wrote the book of Lamentations, the worst thing in his life was the exile of the people of Judah and the destruction of his beloved city of Jerusalem. Our passage today was, was read was, is Lamentation chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. For Jeremiah, the exile of, of Judah and the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of that temple there, were devastating. In 586, God brought judgment on the nation of Judah. He'd been warning them for probably hundreds of years. He promised judgment. They largely ignored 
his warnings. And finally, in 586, God kept his promise to bring disaster to his rebellious people in Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, destroyed Jerusalem, took many people into exile. Jeremiah saw it with his own eyes. Eyes, I'm sure, filled with tears. The destruction of Jerusalem was probably the worst thing imaginable. It was the capital of Judah. It was the location of the temple where everyone gathered to worship God. But in the midst of it all, Jeremiah acknowledges God's faithfulness, even though he didn't feel like it. As we look at the passage, I want us to get a context, get the context. Always important. This passage is really a, a small section of the book of Lamentation. And with the destruction of, of Jerusalem, thousands of people died. They were brutally attacked. And, and this is hard to comprehend. Mothers were reduced to eating their children. That tells you how bad it was. The cream of Judah's citizens were taken into captivity. Those left behind couldn't worship God in a normal way because the temple was torn down, was burned. Then we get a picture of, the, of, of Jeremiah's heart as we look at, and I'll just read it to you, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I'm just going to go back and forth in some places here. He says, I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned my hand against me, or his hand against me, again and again, all day long. He has broken my bones. He has walled me in, and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains, and though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has hidden He's hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. Verse 15, he has made me chew on gravel. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Isn't that a powerful picture? Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. In the midst of a, a book that's pretty much filled like that, we have this great light. The passage it was read. Let's read it one more time. Chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood wood, and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. There are no more darker times in Israel's history. In this darkness, as I said, is this light. A message of God's faithfulness to his people. Uh, a setting of complete disaster uh, nationwide and, and religious. Lamentation isn't the original name of this book. It was given by 
the name of, uh, it was given a new name by Greek translators who had been away and came back and had lost their, um, their understanding of Hebrew. The original title for, for Lamentations was uh, the first word of chapters 1, 2, and 4. How? How? How in the world can this ever happen? How? How could God allow this to take place? <laughs> it was meant to convey profound shock. Profound shock. It, it wasn't just the Babylonians coming in and, and sacking Jerusalem. It wasn't just Nebuchadnezzar. Lamentation, chapter 1, verse 12, Jeremiah says, Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. God did it. That's the problem. It's one thing when trials and hardship and horrible things happen to us, and, and we can point toward people. We can point and say, that was Satan. But we know it comes from God. Even though we know that he was judging, he had given his patient, he had warned for years and years and years. We believe in God's sovereignty. We believe in, in uh, his preeminence in all things, in his decrees. Too often in the midst of life with his hardships, um, we don't see God's hand. The lamentation, though, is crying out, How could you? How could you, God? Jeremiah meticulously expresses his anger, his pain, and his grief. And as he sat, if you can picture him, as he sat in the ashes of Jerusalem, his mood is bleak, his words are of anger and dark. His tone is one almost of despair. And for most of the book, there's not one word of hope, not a, not a bit of light. Jeremiah shows us how to lament, as Rick said. It shows us how to mourn, sad. Our passage today is the brightest one in the book. After the context, we see the core of God, his faithfulness. In the midst of turmoil, the writer, Jeremiah, is asserting the steadfastness, the, the dependability of God. God is a rock. And Jeremiah acknowledges, he says, great is our faithfulness. It's not expressed in a, a feel-good passage, but one about suffering, about mourning. Jerusalem had, had been receiving threats for several years, probably nine or ten years at least, now, the threats were over. So was Jerusalem. All was left was anguish, pain, suffering, hopelessness. Verses 19 and 20 read, Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. I think verse 19 is a prayer request. Lord, remember Remember my afflictions. Remember what I'm going through. Lord, I remember, so please remember. We need lamentations. We need to read it. We need 
to read Lamentations in order to be ready for suffering. Life isn't always happy. Life isn't always smooth. Life isn't always pleasant. And Debbie, the joke between us, there's not an easy life, is there? Life isn't easy. Have you been there? Are you there now? The great thing about the Bible is this realism. It doesn't sugarcoat life. There's no sense as you read through the Bible that if you come to Christ that life will be a bed of roses or that as some say, come to Christ and you'll be wealthy, healthy, and well-liked. Or knowing God means an easy road from here out. That's just not the case. No, a thousand times, no. <laughs> That's not what God's Word says. The Bible paints a realistic picture of life, which includes suffering and sadness. It, it, it pictures for us what Rick went through. Going to the dentist, being run over by a car, as he sat in the dentist's chair. It includes me going home to celebrate my dad's 80th birthday. And my sister, Dad, we all could throw in things in our lives that happened along the way. And in the midst of it, God is faithful. God is a rock. You know, it's okay when we go through hard times. It's okay to acknowledge to God that you're struggling. It's okay when our hearts are downcast and we acknowledge it to God. We can tell God. We can pray and say, Lord, please, please help me. I think verse 21 is a turning point in this passage. He, he, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Even when it doesn't feel good, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of turmoil, Jeremiah says, I call this to mind. And it's a deliberate uh, decision. He says, I call this to mind. I remember. He said, it's like all around me is death and destruction and brutality and savagery. But there's something else that's true also. Great is their faithfulness. Great is God's faithfulness to you and to me in the midst of life. And it's like he says, stop. Stop. I can't reconcile these two things. I'm in this turmoil and, and pain, and yet I know, on the other hand, that God is faithful. He's faithful. He says, I get depressed when I think about it because I can't reconcile it. But I choose, I choose purposely to bring this to mind. God, faithful. He says, I don't understand it. I know God's involved. I can't answer the questions, but I know, I know it's true that God is a rock and He is faithful. After my sister died, as I shared earlier, for about four months, I really was struggling, downcast and just depressed. My wife, Chris, found Psalm 18. Verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock. And my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He goes on in verse 28 and he says, You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. For who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? The version that Chris gave me says, You turn my darkness into light. Don't you love that? You turn my darkness into light. Do you need to hear today that God is a rock? Our rock. Do you need to hear that? Are you facing a dark time in your life? Maybe God seems distant. Maybe you're disappointed with things in life. Maybe maybe you're just hurting. God is faithful over and over and over and over. God is faithful. And even when we don't feel like it, He is faithful. He is faithful. You may say, well, what does that mean that he's faithful? God keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Whatever he has said he'll do, he will do. It may not be on our timetable. It may not look how we pictured it. But God always keeps his promises. He is perfectly faithful. I read through this passage, I saw a couple companions of God's faithfulness, verse 21 through 23. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Two companions, steadfast love. The NIV translates that loving kindness. It's covenant love, that commitment. Two mercies, or NIV says compassions. It's not just compassion, not just mercy. It's it's plural, mercies, compassions. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. That's NIV. You will walk a lot closer to the edge and we realize and then we think as Rick went to the dentist was run over by a car. The thin line, isn't it, between joy and sorrow, between disaster and prosperity, between laughter and tears, between life and death. That time when I went to, to celebrate my dad's birthday, it went from joy to sorrow, from Prosperity and good times to disaster. From laughter to tears. From life to death. Think about it. Let a car swerve hit you. Let a bullet come three inches closer. Let a tiny switch malfunction on an airplane. The plane crashes. Let the brakes give way on your car. Or let a stray germ enter into our system. I read yesterday morning, I believe it was, about a journalist, young lady, 26 years old. She's on Fox News, on CNN, 26. And somehow or another, just like a, 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 any kind of a virus, she got the swine virus. Died. No one even knew that she was sick. 26 years old. Who can understand 
the mysteries of the universe. <laughs> Who can understand why things happen? Why are you alive? Why am I alive today and someone else is dead? Why is it that we've been to a lot of funerals and no one has come to ours yet? Here's the answer of Jeremiah. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. As I read that, I couldn't help but think of, you remember when Israel was in the wilderness and he provided the manna every day? And he told them, he instructed them, he says, get just enough manna for today. Except for the day before the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, they got extra. And of course, they didn't listen, some of them, right? And what happened? Maggots came and spoiled it. You see, God wanted Israel to trust that he was going to provide for them day by day. Day by day. Because of that, he provided the food in that manner. We never live on yesterday's mercies. They're new every day. They're never early, but they're never late. They're new every morning. Today's mercies are for today's problems. Tomorrow's mercies are for tomorrow's problems. We see a subtle change in, take place in 21 through 23 where he's been talking about God. But he begins to speak to God when he says, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. It's not some cold, abstract, theological uh, idea that, that Jeremiah is talking about. <laughs> he's in the midst of pain. He's in the midst of hurt. And he's declaring, Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. We see his confidence here. God's faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. That word portion is the same word that's used. Remember when the Levitical priest uh, did not get an allotment when they got into the promised land and all these different tribes got allotments of land. And the priest didn't get an allotment. Why? Because God was there. They would trust him. They were to receive the offerings given through the sacrifices. And, and so basically, when he says here that, that um, the Lord is my, my, my portion, he's basically saying God is my everything. He, he gives me everything. He is my life. He is my all. Therefore, I'll hope in him. I'll, I'll wait, as the NIV says. And the author is basically saying, I'm faced with these incredible problems. But I'll wait. I'll wait on God. I won't try to answer all these questions. By God's grace, I'll sit at his feet because I know that he's faithful. I know his, his, his steadfast love. I know his compassion. I know his mercies. He's basically saying, when he wants to tell me, I'll be ready. And by God's grace, if he doesn't, if he just wants me to trust him, if he never tells me what's going on, by his grace, I'll trust him. 
pretty powerful. Are you hurting today? Are you grieving? In the midst of our grief, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our disappointment, can we say God is faithful? Can we say he's faithful? I love that hymn we sang earlier, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Thou hast been forever, wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. I could go on and on. Powerful hymn taken from this passage. You know, it's one thing to sing, Great is thy faithfulness at your wedding. Another thing to sing, Great is thy faithfulness when your spouse leaves you or someone else. It's, uh, we can sing, Great is thy faithfulness when our children graduate from high school. But when things go wrong, we sing, Great our faithfulness. We gladly sing, great is our faithfulness when surgery goes well. But can we sing, great is our faithfulness when the treatments don't work? We need to hope in the Lord. He's faithful. He's all we have. Jeremiah declares that our God is our hope in the midst of hopelessness. That he's our light when everything is dark around us. And he's the way when we can't find a way. Jeremiah didn't know the Messiah. He didn't know Jesus, the suffering servant, right? He didn't know him, yet he trusted God. If anyone suffered, Pain, Jesus Christ did. He's the one who said, what? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His death and his resurrection was God keeping his promises to you and to me. Only because of what Christ did on the cross, that we're not consumed by our sin, and that we can say his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is that faithfulness. I ask you up front, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? What's the worst thing? Can you say, and do you think about that? Can you say, great is that faithfulness, God? I think that in the midst of difficult times, our hearts and our minds go toward tomorrow. Not just tomorrow, the next day, but tomorrow in the future. And, and we all wondered different things for different people um, based on, on our age and, and other things. But we wonder, will I get that job that I really need? Or am I stuck in this job that I hate for the rest of my life? Or some might say, will I be lonely forever? And singles might wonder, will I get married? And if we have children, will they serve the Lord? Will something happen to them? We all have concerns for our careers, and if you're young, you're thinking, what will I be doing in 10 years? What will I be doing in 
15 years. As we age, something you guys who are younger don't think about, as we age, we wonder about our health. Will it hold up? You know, I, I, I told Chris the other day, I look on Facebook and all these people that were in college with me, they're having open heart surgery and they're having um, kidney transplants and all these various things. And, and some of them are having really bad you know, things. My, my twin brother had strokes. And we begin to think about our health and think, will I end up in a nursing home? Will I waste away in a hospital? Who will take care of me when I get old? You see, if we're honest, even when life is going okay, it's easy to worry about tomorrow, to worry about the future. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, there are times that I think about the future and I have to catch myself. I have to remember, I have to call this to mind. God is faithful. He's faithful. And as we face the future, His mercies for that day will be there for us because He is faithful. His mercies are new every day. Easy, isn't it, to look at our problems and not see God's mercies and faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is that faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope. Come. Let's pray. Now, Father, we thank you for this book of Lamentations and for Jeremiah. And, Father, how you used him to write this book. Father, we, uh, it's easy for us, Father, to, to think, what if? It's easy begin worrying, be anxious. Father, help us to call to mind. Great is your faithfulness. Father, help us to trust you. Help us to rest in you. For it's so easy for us to expect every day to be ordinary, not be extraordinary. But we know, Father, that time comes, things happen. Father, help us to rest and to trust in you because you are faithful. In Christ's name.